Good morning, everyone. How are you? Hope all is well. Welcome back to another episode of Shot of Philosophy. And today we're going to be working with one of the most famous, if not maybe even the most famous or well-known meditation from Marcus Aurelius' Meditations. So I think this one gets quoted a lot for a few reasons, probably. I think one, it represents a major practice or kind of practice, let's say, in Stoicism, which is the pre-meditatio malorum, or the sort of uh, meditation or premeditation on evils, right? The the sort of use of the imagination to think in advance about what might go wrong. And, you know, there's a lot of different things to say about that. But ultimately, I think one of the major takeaways would be, as I think I said already in, in previous episodes, getting punched in the face is bad. Getting punched in the face by surprise is worse. And there are a lot of different, very practical applications to the premeditation malorum. Um, whether it's giving a presentation or it's meeting someone for the first time or it's, as I'm going to interpret this, I think we have the external mode of using it, which is what Marcus, I think, in part is doing with this meditation. Those are all external examples I just gave, right? You're giving a presentation. You think, oh, all right, well, the technology might break down on me. How, how will I respond, right? So it's, let me also say too, it's not, I don't think at least only premeditating on what might go wrong. It's also then, okay, in this place where it hasn't gone wrong yet, where I'm thinking about, I'm imagining it, I can plan a reaction. And that reaction for the Stoics is really what matters because ultimately, especially with externals that we cannot control, we have to then more so work to control our reactions, right? That internal conversation we have when the person at work is rude or when Again, we're hit, we hit traffic. We're hitting traffic. Okay, well, I can't control the traffic. How do I respond? And if we are more prepared, and this reminds me actually of a something my baseball coach said in high school that was kind of interesting. It's it's annoying to say, but it makes sense. Proper prior planning prevents poor performance. So that was his phrase. I would just say, comma sometimes, right? Because sometimes you can't. I would argue prevent poor performance because once again, the external world can be very difficult and chaotic and unpredictable. That being said, all those words, I think, and that message work together nicely to also support the idea that maybe spending some time on premeditation malorum might help us lead a better life. Because once again, we're not doing it excessively in that we're practicing the irrational uh, law of Murphy's law, which is, oh, everything's going to go wrong constantly. That's no way to live either, right? Even the Stoics had great moments, great quotes, a number of them, like look forward to the future. Try to be optimistic about the future. Don't just think how things can go wrong, but also make sure to not leave the premeditation malorum out of your life entirely, right? And there are a lot of, I think, really great examples, um, you know, of how going through certain difficulties, and this is one of the, from what I understand at least, one of the cornerstones, I want to say, of cognitive behavioral therapy that really, I think, comes from stoicism to a large extent, right? Exposing ourselves to difficulties on our own volition, choosing our challenges and then engaging with them meaningfully and consistently is a way to strengthen ourselves, right? So on that note, let me flow right into what Marcus is writing to himself here, and I think we'll get the sense that he's trying to get himself in his imagination, in his writing. Likely in this case, I would even say before he's even met or he, let's say, greeted the world at all. This to me is he probably wrote this like, you know, 
maybe at the beginning of the day or at the end of the day, and maybe my first statement there was wrong, and he's trying to remind himself like after messing up a morning, right? He's like, he forgot to do this maybe. So he's giving himself in this reflection a practice, a command. He's commanding himself to do something, right? So I'm going to read it, then we'll, of course, add some interpretation. He writes to himself, this is number one in book two of Meditations on page 17 of the Gregory Hayes translation. He says, when you wake up in the morning, tell yourself, the people I deal with today will be meddling, ungrateful, arrogant, dishonest, jealous, and surly. They are like this because they can't tell good from evil. But I have seen the beauty of good and the ugliness of evil, and have recognized that the wrongdoer has a nature related to my own, not of the same blood or birth, but the same mind, and possessing a share of the divine. And so none of them can hurt me. No one can implicate me in ugliness, nor can I feel angry at my relative or hate them. We were born to work together like feet, hands, and eyes, like the two rows of teeth, upper and lower. To obstruct each other is unnatural. To feel anger at someone, to turn your back on them, these are obstructions. So once again, I think we're, we keep in mind he's the emperor, a father, a friend, a husband, like all of us, he's inhabiting multiple roles, right? And I was actually reading something last night from my dissertation by Dr. David Hansen, who's a great uh, philosopher, great teacher. And he was remarking on philosophy as a way of life. And he was talking about meditations and this type of writing. And we're really getting a very inside look at someone trying to just be a human being, right? Like there are certain texts that also mimic this that are more in this sort of personal, let's say, journal or diary format where we get to really get an in-depth look at somebody working on themselves which is ultimately the role or not the role it's just like the aim let's say or i guess the role too the aim and role of philosophy as the art of living right that's what i'm hoping to offer with this podcast it's like it's not so much about what i'm saying as much as it's about what you say to yourself as a result right and how you maybe take what i'm saying and try to make it helpful for you, right? So Marcus, throughout his meditations, right, is giving himself commands. He's, you know, he's reminding himself of quotes from other people, like, you know, the whole, once again, debts and lessons chapter or section is based on that, right? So here we have an example of a command, and he's really telling himself, like, you have to do this to lead a happy life, bro. Like, you can't leave this out. Like, I love that, like, he's trying to be a friend to himself, by reminding himself of this thing. And when you wake up in the morning, tell yourself. So why do that, right? That's the premeditation malorum. Don't be surprised by some of the things that I would say, for him at least, as a guy trying his best to be emperor, we, we see throughout the meditations, he's working to be just and working to serve the community and you know you don't always get it you you know you don't always get a thank you this is great for everybody i think we can even think for parents right parenting is a pretty thankless job and it's not let me make this clear too i don't think he's saying as we see with the rest of this uh meditation he's not saying to ignore it he's not saying to not address it he's not saying to not confront it but he, what he is saying is try to be calm 
don't get angry and keep in mind that we're here to work together. I think that's really powerful just to run with the parenting example for a second because you want the family to be intact and you want to enjoy that process. You want to have a loving family. You have to remind yourself as he is here, right? We're meant to work together. We're meant to love each other. We're a family. And I think whether or not you would necessarily agree with that, right? Of course, there might be examples, and I would agree with this, that if certain, let's say, for lack of a better word, if certain rules are violated or if trust is violated or some type of egregious uh, injustice or really bad injustice is committed, then okay, maybe we have to change the relationship or end the relationship as it currently is, right? Or end the relationship entirely, right? Maybe we don't have to be in each other's lives. That happens too. And there, there has to be you know, space and time uh, where we think about that as well, right? So this isn't about naively accepting people's lack of gratitude. It's about leading with the notion that we're meant to work together from the external perspective, right? So someone's ungrateful to you, don't get angry, don't go off on them, right? Don't jump to, you know, ending the relationship in your actions or in your thoughts, which I think is also a key element here. And I want to shift this in a second to more of an internal conversation, but he's reminding himself here of the nature of the world. And he's, you know, in the tradition of premeditation malorum, reminding himself of these negative things so that they, once again, don't surprise him. And also so that he's ready and he's, you know, he's ready as a result of his starting the day by constructing responses. Big idea for the Stoics, a big idea for someone writing a, a book like this, Meditations, is to have things ready at hand. Right, you literally can hold the notebook. You can hold the, the thought in your mind. We don't really memorize stuff that much anymore. Why would we? Right, we have our phones, but that's a mistake because when you memorize things, you're not just memorizing the things; those things are shaping you. The same way your phone, you, you use your phone. Your phone is also using you. It's using your brain and it's shaping your brain. We need to start memorizing stuff again. And we can't just rely on our phones and our technologies to do that for us because there's power in memory and there's power in repetition. There is therapeutic power in repetition. I just watched the video actually literally this morning because sometimes I just I start my morning usually before this, listen to some music or watch some videos. And it's from the School of Life and it's the secrets of EMDR therapy and how it can help you. And I literally just watched the video. So I probably have to do an episode on it now because I'm not going to explain it well. But this theory or EMDR, let me see if they have anything. I'm going to read this one second. It's sort of, again, I don't know exactly what the acronym is, but you can look it up and I will, again, I'm probably have to do an episode on it now, but it's ultimately at the heart of this idea is, or seems to be to me at least, the notion that when we do something repetitive, whether it's a repetitive movement um, like tapping your knee or something, or we, I think, experience, so we, we see something and hear something that is repetitive. It help it helps us enter into a different state of thinking and a different state of feeling that allows us a certain degree of, I would even call it focused, attentive silence that is really conducive and helpful for the therapy or yeah, let's say the psychotherapy process, that repetition and this is when I was watching the video, I immediately thought of, oh, okay, well, this is why I listen to songs on repeat so frequently. It allows me to enter into a state of deep focus where I can get into my thoughts more uh, with greater clarity, right, and more deeply. 
And this was being, I think the video construed it or portrayed it as uh, allowing someone in a psychotherapeutic um, circumstance to kind of go back into their past and see their memories and experience them, experience them more vividly as a result of this repetition. Right, so there, there's power in this sort of, let's say, not only just the repetition, right? But when we memorize something and we can repeat it to ourselves, we're, I think, mimicking that psychotherapeutic um, element, right? Or we're accessing it through the repetition. And I, I'm not sure if I mentioned this on the podcast or um, during a meeting with some students recently, but think for a moment once again about in religion, for example, the power of repetition, whether it's saying the rosary or whether it's praying multiple times a day, like there's a reason for all of that, right? So we're, we're having these experiences in our minds. We're having these tools used and reused over and over again. Mark is here saying, when you wake up in the morning, that's every morning, right? He's confronting these things and he's preparing for these things. You get good at preparing, you get good at implementing and using the tool, then we really get into a state where we're able to, as Epictetus says, which is, of course, not to say that we shouldn't seek help. We certainly should. The Stoics were big on that, right? Marcus Lewis himself famously said, think it no shame to accept help. So, of course, get help, whether it's in any way, right, that that's going to be helpful and useful for you. I just mentioned therapy. I think that's a great idea, for example, right? Certain friendships can provide that for us. We should seek these things. Certain books can be very helpful. Certain authors, musicians, right, artists, like these are all pathways to doing what Epictetus says, which is, quote, to be our own soul's doctor. Because ultimately, even if, let's say, for example, you went to therapy, you could go there and speak to a, a person who's qualified, and I think you would still likely have to open yourself up to the idea, one, that you should go and then go, right? But then also when you're there, you have to be working on getting yourself, I would say, in a state where you're open to the experience to make it as beneficial as possible. And that's even a part of what the uh, EMDR therapy is, right? To get into the, the repetitious bodily motion or to create an environment of sound and sight that is repetitive is a mode of opening ourselves up to access the memory effectively, right? This is going already a little bit long and I apologize, but I do have a few minutes here before work. So I want to keep going. Um, and I hope that these first initial insights are helpful, but I do also want to turn with this, uh, with this section and make it more about the internal world, right? So we have these preparations for the external. And I think Marcus is doing a very good job here. Even when a moment ago, I'm referring to diving within ourselves to address our past, the video made that about events, right? In part. It made it about events. This happened to me. These people were there. I was in this environment. That's very important, right? Um, ultimately, though, the video leads to, of course, the present moment where one would be, let's say, working with a therapist to, to kind of unpack and deal with these past uh, memories such that they don't bother us in the present, or at least they don't bother us, let's say, as intensely or as frequently, right? So I think Marcus's whole approach here can also work with the internal world in a similar way. If you know other people might be ungrateful, arrogant, dishonest, jealous, right? Well, what are the ways you regularly treat yourself negatively? How regular are those things, 
right? Those thoughts. Again, I may have introduced this idea of the, the flaught, the flying thought. Those flying thoughts will likely connect to some type of childhood memory or let's just to use this word for a moment, right? Some type of trauma that might even be in, in our adult lives, not necessarily in our childhoods, right? But either way, sometimes, and I'll, I'll put this in a simple way, sometimes I'll like hear a song or I'll just smell something randomly and it'll bring me back to something. It'll bring me to a memory, then that'll kind of kick up sometimes positive, sometimes negative emotions or thoughts, right? Again, maybe using the word trigger here might be appropriate. In, in, in this sort of psychological sense of the word, right? Okay, so here we are. And of course, we should work, I think, um, to relate to the external world, to shape the external world. But we're keeping in mind, we're with a Stoic here, that at times that might not be possible, right? So we go now and we, we maybe reflect on the internal world. So maybe think of one to three things on a daily basis, or let's say on a regular basis, thoughts or feelings that you'd rather not have. Right, because of course Marcus is again. He's not saying, "Oh, I love ungrateful people." He's like, "Okay, they're out there. Let me prepare myself and let me remind myself of something good that they cannot hurt me. They cannot make me ungrateful, which for the Stoic would be to implicate me in ugliness. I shouldn't feel angry at this. I shouldn't hate this person. This this ungrateful person. We were born to work together. I'm not going to feel anger. These are great notes for how you should treat yourself." I told somebody this recently. Okay, they, they talked about anxiety, right? Being anxious, very common. It's normal to be anxious. Now, of course, there are degrees of anxiety that might move beyond what one would like to have or what one would consider to be normal, right? Of course. But ultimately, that's a natural part of being a human being. We inherited that from just our ancestors, right? But what doesn't make sense for sure is getting angry at yourself for being anxious. People get upset about being upset. It's not going to be helpful. Right? So he's telling himself here, someone's ungrateful. You're going to initially probably respond to that with anger. Don't do that. Leave it where it is. Right? So that's the same thing with ourselves. Don't get angry at yourself for being nervous. Don't get angry at yourself for being angry. I've done that. That was a habit for me at one point. We have to work with the levels, right? So let's, as he's saying here, do the following, right? So remind, let's say, let's take anger as the example. Let's say you deal with an anger. You would say you deal with a bit of an anger issue, that you return to that feeling or that feeling, let's say, comes to you frequently. Frequently enough that you'd say, yeah, you know what? I'm a little bit of an angry person. Okay. So remind yourself when you wake up, you know what? Today I, I might deal with my anger. Today, it's, it's likely the case I'm going to get angry. Okay, well, when I get angry, when something triggers me to anger or to be angered, let me try to see the beauty of something good. Right, let me recognize where this anger might be coming from. Oh, I get angry about this person insulting me about X, Y, or Z at work because I was insulted like that as a kid. And this person really, maybe not even, let's say for argument's sake, they're not really trying to insult me. And even if they are, I don't have to care about this. Right? We're here, we're here at work literally to work together. Remind, my, remind yourself of that. I will remind myself of that at work when I know I shouldn't respond. And not only should I not respond once again externally, I also should work to respond less intensely internally. And maybe you need to think of your own reminders. I would say you had to, right? Maybe the ones Marcus provides doesn't work. Or they, they, maybe they don't work, right? 
So think of your own reminders. Think of your own reactions. But first, we have to locate, as Marcus is with you know with these few examples here, right? Once again, meddling, ungrateful, arrogant, dishonest. These are his characterizations of other people he might deal with. We can do that too. But also think of the way you deal with yourself. Are you ungrateful towards you? Are you dishonest with you? Right? Are you angry with yourself? Are you anxious about certain things? Are you stressed about certain things consistently? Identify them. And maybe, and this is an interesting note, I'm not um, I'm going to try to work with this myself. So this is very much a real sort of experiment for me too. And maybe you want to adopt it. Maybe you don't. Obviously, of course, it's up to you. But maybe doing what Marcus is doing, and instead of, let's say, trying to avoid these things that we might identify as commonly uh, commonly had experiences with the external world or commonly had experiences with the internal world, maybe we just confront them, right? Maybe we just, at, at the beginning of the day, like, look, a part of my morning routine is like, all right, I know me. Today, I'm likely going to be a little bit angry. I'm going to be a little bit anxious. I'm going to be a little bit impatient with myself. And then at work and my family, people are going to be a little bit X, Y, and Z. Maybe we greet the day like that. Maybe not first thing or maybe first thing, right? Who knows? But early in the day, we're like, you know what? Today, I'm probably going to have to deal with some bullshit. And it's going to be my own shit and it's going to be the external world. This is premeditation malorum, but we don't leave it there, right? We, we try to end on, as Marcus is doing here, an optimistic note, but also a note of instruction to ourselves. All right, I might be a little bit angry today, but you know what? I'm not going to let myself get angrier. Well, how am I going to do that? Well, if I feel that anger, if I, if I hear that thought in my mind, right, or if I, if I see that thing in my mind, I'm going to respond in this way. Right. For me, I think I said one of my mantras is change the channel. Right. Another thing I, I'll suggest, and then you have channels ready to go. So, right. You know what? This rises up in me. I'm going to think about this thing that's good in my life, or I'm going to stop and look around me and appreciate something in my physical space. Right. Or I'm going to ask questions of myself. Like, is this helpful? I'm going to ask questions of myself. Is there evidence to support this? And then you have answers ready for those. Right? So you, you almost like you can make these scripts. That's kind of what Marcus is doing here, I think. And quite clearly, right? That's a great almost analogy, right? He's writing literally and he's reading what he's writing. We make scripts for ourselves such that we have these reliable tools ready to deal with our common ailments or our common situations. We have to identify those first. Then we have to do what Marcus is doing here. Get new responses ready, revisit those responses, and then maybe I think also what Marx is doing here, as I was hopefully alluding to or highlighting a couple, uh, a few, a few seconds ago, right? He's confronting it. He's not avoiding it. He's not saying, "Oh, no one's going to be ungrateful today," or worse than that, he's not even acknowledging that, like for example, gratitude exists in the world, right? Because he could even, even if he was naively writing, maybe you could argue there's some goodness there. He's trying to encourage himself to have a better understand, or let's say, not better, let's say. Uh, because better might mean more accurate, which I don't think that's that's what I'm trying to say. He might have a more kindly understanding of humanity if he's lying to himself on the page by saying everybody's grateful. That doesn't that isn't the move to me. And maybe I'm I'm wrong there, but I don't think that that I wouldn't suggest someone do that. Hey, you you think some people are ungrateful? Well, ignore that in, in impulse or inclination. Ignore the evidence to suggest that some people are ungrateful, and just write about how grateful they are. That that's lying. Right. Um, so we want to be honest with ourselves. And that's 
you know, I think a cornerstone of leading a good life and also definitely a cornerstone virtue of having a good philosophical practice, right, is honesty. So be honest with yourself when you confront and say, all right, these are like the one to three things I kind of deal with consistently. And let's maybe, just as a suggestion, again, I'm going to try this and we'll see how it goes more, more intensely and frequently confront the external and internal things that are bothersome in a self-writing practice, I would say. And not only that, but try to get to the why. Try to get to the source of this thing within yourself or the source of why this external thing might bother you so much. And then as you said with Marcus, right, end with principles or reactivate rules of behaving for yourself, reactivate rules of thinking, and reactivate rules of trying to control how we feel. So when he's saying we're meant to work together, that's a reactivation of a way of seeing the world. He's reminding himself of that perception so he can then act accordingly. And again, not express the anger that might rise up, but instead talk to it internally, write about it, and say it's not serving us. So the preparation helps, the cultivation of the reaction helps, and then this confrontation with what is likely to be the case or what has proven to be the case in the past, we stop running from it. That's also powerful, right? I'm going to paraphrase Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. here um, with a great quote. It's like once we, just in confronting our fears, we get some strength, right? So I think we could say the same for just by confronting the negative patterns of our own thinking or the negative patterns that seem to be creating or seem to be a part of our external world. They no longer control us in the same way. We're giving them their time. We're giving them some attention. We'll understand them better. We'll be prepared for them better. And hopefully we'll respond to them better, which is to say in a healthier way for us and for others. Hope this was helpful. Sorry, this was a longer episode. Uh, thank you for listening. Take care and I'll talk to you soon.